Welcome to Music Sense. I'm your host, Richard Vachon. And my guest today is Chris Morrison. How do you do? Fine, thank you. Uh, Chris grew up in the, in the British Columbia, in the Northwest Territories. He decided to become a professional musician while in high school and plays his first gig on guitar in your life for the CBC Northern Service. This goal uh, carried him to music training in Edmonton at Alberta College and uh, the University of Alberta. And for the study at the University of Toronto Banff Centre, National Youth Orchestra during two summers and the Keystone Brass Institute in Colorado. Several uh, summers at uh, the Sandpoint Festival of Chamber Music and Jazz programs included instruction from uh, Country Schuller, Max Roach, Ray Brown, and Winton Marsalis. Winton Marsalis, uh, that's a name I know. I don't know the others, but Winton Marsalis is, some, is uh, quite, uh, it's quite a good one, a very good one. Teachers include uh, Vince. Uh, uh, I have a series of teachers there that I mean that uh, uh, yeah, we we can uh, give them honor, but I'd, you will have to to uh, instruct me find about them because I don't know them. Vince uh, Shikovitz, Stephen Deschenette, Charles Schluter, Fred Mills, and Ronald Rome. Chris has played with the Edmonton Symphony, Calgary Philharmonic, Thunder Bay Symphony. Five years at the, the principal trumpet uh, from the, in the, with the Thunder Bay. Hamilton Symphony, Royal Winnipeg Ballet Orchestra, prince, including principal. That must have been interesting uh, to be playing for the ballet. National oh, you ballet. Love, I love playing in the pit, yes. Yes. And the uh, Banff Festival Orchestra, principal trumpet for, so for several uh, summers. He moved to Calgary in 1980 with the, the vision of founding the ensemble, which became the Foothill Brass Quintet. Since then, Foothills Brass has performed up to 150 concerts per year in all provinces. This is quite busy. That means what are we doing, a concert every two days? Most of the states of the USA and overseas, as well as a concert in theaters, festivals, and universities. The Quintet has performed for and worked with over 1 million elementary and secondary students. Wow, this is uh, remarkable. Chris has uh, produced seven the Foothill Brass recordings, which include many of his own arrangement and solos. He's also active as an artist in schools and in his spare time enjoys hiking, camping, riding his horse in the wonderful Alberta Foothill. So Chris, wow. Uh, and uh, Chris is now uh, playing also for the Rocky Mountain Symphony Orchestra in the, in Calgary. Uh, unfortunately, because because of uh, COVID, you have not been able for instance, to do much of I say lately. But uh, uh, I did attend at some point if I say uh, as I told you if I say uh, yesterday I did point, attend if I say one of your rehearsal. When I visit, I visited the Kim uh, Raffin in uh, in Calgary, and uh, you seem to be one of the more alive players in this orchestra. So, <laughs> you you did attract my attention, and this is why I'm inviting you, especially this morning. And uh, and 
And when I read uh, your intro, uh, I certainly understand uh, that there's some energy there. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, my first question, it looks like as, he, I, as, as I, feel, I did not search my guest, uh, I asked him, tell me about your life. Uh, and I, but then I precise, uh, uh, how did you at first, you know, at the beginning of your life, uh, got interested with music? Uh, when did you become passionate about it? And what are the turning points of your life according to music? When did I become passionate about music? Apparently, as soon as I could talk. And uh, I, I'm told my first favorite piece of music was the Moldo by Smetna. And I, okay. I would ask for it, apparently, as a very small child. Okay. And, wow. uh, and you don't so remember all My parents you played classical music in the house, certainly. Okay. So the Moldo from Smetana. Uh, so you, you're from a uh, family that, uh, that, that was listening to classical music, playing classical music in the background, if, you, if you're exposed to the, the, this kind of music uh, at a young age. That's right. Okay. Um, so I have memories of classical music going back to very young. Okay. Uh, um, other pieces that come to your mind? Oh, gosh, uh, there's, there's so many. Um, a lot of the music that I listened to when I was very young, I, uh, I didn't even know what it was. Of course, you just get used to hearing it. And then when I got to university and they would, did the music uh, history courses and they dropped the needle, you know, and they could tell me what this is. Well, I dropped the needle and I could tell them exactly how the piece went, this but I had no idea what, what was it was called. When I was two years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But um, um, other favorite pieces, well... Um, the, actually the Beethoven piano sonata spoke to me quite a bit when I was quite young and, oh, so uh, and, um, and wow. Chopin, I remember, mm -hmm. uh, being able to see colors in a Chopin eight, um, uh, prelude. And I can't do that now, but as a child, I saw colors with the music. Okay. Okay. Wow. I mean, uh, your, uh, your family was playing music in the, uh, in the, uh, in the house, uh, were they uh, playing music also? Um, yes, my father was a, a pretty good amateur tenor, and he was the sort of person who could pick up almost any instrument and figure out how to play a, a melody on it. But then he'd never practiced anything, so so he didn't really wasn't much of an instrumentalist. But he was a, quite a good singer. Okay, so, so uh, at least so uh, I, I grew up his, listening uh, to operetta, Gilbert and Sullivan, uh, Mary Widow. Uh, Messiah. Anytime we lived, when we were living in small towns, if there was some kind of production of Messiah, he would always sing the tenor part, of course, um, the tenor solo. Um, so I got to know that music pretty well. Okay, so you heard some uh, some records, and you heard your father singing in the house. That's right. See, so yeah, a lot of musical theater, you know, uh, Oklahoma, and well, of you know, the uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein. Okay. Uh, what about your mother? Um, she had the musical she, gene too. Yeah. Uh, she, my father had no musical education growing up. Uh, he was just a farm boy on the prairies. My mother grew up in a pretty well-educated, well-off household in Vancouver. So she learned to play the piano and, and learned, uh, you know, those things that a proper young lady would learn in those days. And she could always play the piano reasonably well. Um, what, what, what are the pieces that she would play? Oh. you remember anything? 
I don't know that much. Uh, it's funny. I remember my grandmother playing one of the uh, two-part inventions, <laughs> but uh, she she never got past much above that stage. But she would uh, from, uh, from Bach, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but she was she became a school teacher. Well, she trained to be a high school English teacher, but as soon as she got married, she had to stop teaching because that was a law then. And then when we moved to the Northwest Territories to the tiny town uh, Pine Point, they needed. It turned out they needed two teachers instead of just one for the town. So they asked if anybody had a teaching degree. And she said, well, yes, I guess I do. And she ended up teaching kindergarten to grade three and um, loved it and taught elementary uh, elementary school until she retired. And she always played piano for the students and, uh, you know, played played music there. That was the kind of player she was more. Okay. Just okay, uh, okay. simple things. Um I am asking this question because most of the people that are uh, interested with classical music in as adults now are people that have been exposed to uh, to music when they were young. Yes, I think that's that's, that's that's true. Yes, and uh, but, but sometimes it happens later. Like my father didn't hear anything. Uh, you know, he joined the navy during the war, and then he met my mother, and then he went to university, and there at university he discovered musical theater and opera. And just okay. fell in love. Totally fell in love. Yes, but at that time, uh, people were not flooded as they are today with the rock music. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. that's and, true. And uh, they were, uh, I mean, classical music was more, if I can say, in the culture. And uh, that's also true. If I yeah. can say, uh, in their surrounding. So uh, they had, they, they were more open-minded, if I can say, with this kind of music. Um It's uh, uh, that's why your your work, if I can see, with the school is just so important. Uh, when you go in school and you uh, you, you play for all the, the these primary school students and the, oh, primary, and, uh, middle schools, secondary schools, yes, yes, all, all, yes. all grades, yeah, yes. It's just so important for them to see something else, uh, to uh, to uh, discover, if I can see, the beauty of uh, classical music. Uh, so when did you uh, discover that you wanted to become to become a, a trumpetist? Well, when I was about 10, my uncle gave me a beat up old trumpet as a Christmas present. I don't know if he meant it as serious or as a joke, but but I started playing the trumpet and uh, thought it was pretty fun. And I took a few lessons when we were still living in Rossland in BC. We, I took a few lessons in grade six and... Um, That was my excuse to stop taking piano lessons from my mother. And uh, then uh, I had band in grade seven in, in Rossland. And that was great. That was the one thing that actually probably got me through that year of junior high because I was, I was not having fun in school, but the music really made it worthwhile. Okay. And then we moved to the Northwest Territories and there was, you know, there was no music there's program not, at not, all. There's not much there, huh? No, in grade nine, there was no grade nine in Pine Point. So I went to uh, Fort Simpson for grade nine and I was the only white kid in the Anglican residence. Um, it was mostly Inuit kids and uh, and Dene. And then there was me. And uh, <laughs> But the Anglican priest's wife played piano and a little bit of trumpet. And the guy that ran the experimental farm, I discovered, played trumpet a little bit and guitar. So I would get together with those people on the weekend and play duets. And uh, so my parents thought that, well, 
they wanted to do the Naramata Music Week in BC the next summer and they needed to put me somewhere. So they put me in the Okanagan Summer School of the Arts. And there I was with a bunch of, of uh, other kids who actually wanted to play music and loved it. Okay. And some really dedicated teachers. And that changed my life quite a bit. Okay. So then I went into grade 10 in Yellowknife and uh, there was school band again. It wasn't very good, but it was something. And I started putting together ensembles of my own with friends to play Tijuana brass music or, um, you know, uh, and got together with a local piano player to play actual pieces for trumpet and piano and started entering in festival. And in grade, and then I went back to summer school that year and the next year uh, in BC. And uh, in grade 11, I was in the Kiwanis Festival and uh, uh, piano professor from the University of Alberta was the adjudicator. And she said, well, why don't you come to University of Alberta? When I was living in Yellowknife, and uh, I started putting together uh, ensembles to play dance music and Tijuana brass music, which was, of course, very, very popular then. And I um, started playing in music festivals, the Kiwanis Festival, and therefore started to play music, real music for trumpet and piano. Uh, uh, simple enough in retrospect, but still. And... Um, and I also should mention that my brother is an oboist and he's two and a half years older than me. And he was supposed to be the genius in the family. And I think he was, uh, okay. but uh, he's a very well, good uh, musician. So having him, having him to listen to, having him <clears throat> to listen to and play duets with, I think made a big difference to me and, and my playing because, um, you know, you listen and play with someone who is very musical. It, it has an effect on you. Uh, when I listen to you, you seem to be quite musical. So uh, we owe that to your brother? Or, uh... <laughs> I, 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 sure, absolutely. I went to Edmonton for my grade 12 and lived in boarding school at Alberta College so that I could study music for the really the first time. And uh, while I was there, uh, partly through my brother's connections, I got into the University Symphony even while I was in grade 12 at University of Alberta. Okay. So that was my first chance to play in a symphony orchestra. And then, um, of course, when I went to university the following years, then I was playing in lots of ensembles. Okay. Uh, it seems that the, 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 uh, the first turning point, if I can say, in terms of uh, music uh, was the Okanagan Valley. Là. The Okanagan Summer School of the Arts, yeah. For me, it was, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, a combination of music and wine, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not for me. <laughs> not for um, you, no. no the, actually, the wine industry really didn't exist in the Okanagan yet. They they had to, they they were still making wine in BC then, but it was terrible. Okay, uh, okay. Didn't so get good you were until focused later. on music at that time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. for sure. Um, but uh, you know, because I hadn't really had much training uh, when I went there the first time, they asked you to sight read something to audition, so they know where to put you in the section. And I didn't sight read very well at all, so. They put me second last chair in the trumpet section. But then somebody noticed uh, while I was there that I made pretty good sound and could get around on the instrument pretty well. So they encouraged me quite a bit. And the next year and I went and when I went back the next year, I played at the other end of the trumpet section. So, Yes, but I mean, it's, uh, it's not a bad thing to be at the back of the orchestra when you're a trumpet. Well, uh, you you uh, you can lead uh, everybody else from there. If I can oh, say oh no, no, but I mean, uh, the first year I was there, I was at the I was the low end of the trumpet section. So, uh, yes, but uh, I mean, uh, but, usually the trumpet player they put that, but they put them at the back, lah. So that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a safe place to be for sure. 
I mean, uh, you're uh, you're quite uh, loud with your instrument. Uh, you're you're uh, you uh -huh. can you 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 can have an, uh, quite an influence on this orchestra. Uh, uh, there was there was the the Okanagan. Uh, you, uh... I guess uh, the the next big real really big turning point. Well, well, while I was in Edmonton, I did start to play extra with the Edmonton Symphony and the opera, which was wonderful. Um, and then. Uh, in the summer of uh, 1973, I got into the National Youth Orchestra. And um, halfway through the summer, the head of music at University of Toronto invited me to come to University of Toronto that fall instead of going back to uh, University of Alberta. So I made some, made some decisions and ended up going to Toronto. You've traveled quite a bit. North oh Italy, yes! Oh uh, yes! Yeah. Alberta, Toronto. Uh, uh, you're a well-known Canadian. Everybody knows you. Uh, the, oh, well. Traveling with, uh, the, in all these places. Um, yeah. So I did two years at the University of Toronto, uh, and that was very good. Very good for me. The orchestra was really good. And I started playing extra in other orchestras around the area, uh, including the Hamilton Symphony, at the time when the Canadian brass were the brass section of the Hamilton Symphony. Wow. So I got oh, to know wow. them very well. Oh, so you played with the Canadian Brass. Wow. Well, in that sense, yes. Wow, they were also, wow, wow. Uh, they also studied with them at the BAMP Center later on. Okay, okay. Um, that's interesting to know uh, that they were part of the Hamilton Symphony at that time. That, that's how they started, yeah. Okay. I mean, they, uh, you had to be pretty good, if I can say, to start the brass, uh, an exclusive brass ensemble uh, to succeed to, to make some interesting music with this. But I'd like to come back a little bit to the uh, the oboe, your brother and the oboe. Yes. I was discussing with uh, with uh, 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 Stuart Grant. Stuart, yes, and um, I was telling him, you know, it's it's pretty hard to play the oboe. Yeah, Stuart really, Grant and my brother were in National Youth Orchestra together. And I mean, you have two reeds in there. Uh, the, oh, the, oh, yes. The, the, to 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 succeed to to produce a sound with this thing is just uh, just amazing, uh, especially when you try to to produce a, a soft sound, and it's I guess it's I guess it's similar also with the trumpet. The soft sound are the most difficult to produce, I guess. Yes, yes. Uh, to play beautifully at a very soft dynamic on the trumpet is is a, is an achievement certainly. Yes, uh, there's a bit of uh, Winton uh, Marsalis behind that maybe. Oh, well, um, perhaps. I mean, you've, you've been working with Winton uh, Marsalis. Well, he was at the, uh, he, uh, for not very long, but he was at the Sandpoint Festival. He came as a, as a visiting uh, teacher while I was at the Sandpoint Festival. Um, more for the jazz program than the classical program, but uh, that's fine. It was, uh, it was wonderful to have him there. Wow. Uh must have been something if I can say to uh, to see this guy uh, and to and to work with him from some uh, from so close. It, uh, it must be, it must have been a fantastic experience. Uh, you talk about opera. Uh, how I don't recall having that much hearing some, that much trumpet in operas. Oh, have you ever uh, listened to the uh, first act of Aida? Ah, uh, Aida, yes, 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 yes. That was my first yes. uh, opera engagement. Okay, okay. But, uh, okay. but then, uh, well, it, it just depends. Um, 
And it wasn't so much that I was playing a lot, but uh, sitting in the orchestra pit and listening to the music and listening to the singers is just such a great experience. It's um, Absolutely, um, yes. The first opera that I played fully in the orchestra was Tosca. And I just remember just loving the sounds, you know. So Tosca, there was a, there's, there was trumpet part the, during there's the whole three, opera. three trumpets in in every Virginia opera. Wow. As far as I know. Okay. Yeah. And okay. the, the so, parts are pretty good. Uh, actually, Puccini wrote so well for the trumpets that maybe you don't notice them. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so they, they, they aren't always loud. They aren't always uh, standing out. They're blending in. Okay, okay. They're blending in, like with Prokofiev, you know, like <laughs> you, you study a Prokofiev tuba part sometimes. Okay. Uh, he, he blends it in with the woodwinds. He blends it in with the strings. He blends it, in, of course, with the brass. But it's, it's, uh, it's an independent voice that you don't really notice until you watch for it. And then you realize how much it's affecting the sound of the whole orchestra. So just the way... Okay. I love playing Interesting. Prokofiev uh, as I'll, well I'll as pay, you can I'll maybe... Pay, uh, no, no, yes. I'll pay more attention to this in the future. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, in... Uh, in all your uh, your uh, your journey, your musical journey, uh, uh, what what is the orchestra that you love most to find you working with? Oh, well, National Youth Orchestra is very special, of course. Um, you know, one of the best experiences I've had in orchestra was just a year and a half ago, just before COVID in the fall. Um, playing the um, Sibelius Second Symphony with the Calgary Philharmonic. And the Calgary okay. Philharmonic is sounding so good these days. And okay. I was playing third trumpet, and the first and second players are absolutely wonderful players. And okay. uh, it was an honor to be there. And the music was, I mean, it's a wonderful piece of music. I just love it anyway. But the way the orchestra played uh... it and, and the way the conductor led it, I, I I could have fooled myself. I was playing in Vienna or or Amsterdam. It just was sounded so good. And it was so much fun to play. So Sibelius, which symphony? Second. Second. Okay, you have that in common with the Stuart also. Huh? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a he's a fan of the second also. Oh yeah. Well, there's it's just such a wonderful piece. Yes. But of course, there's many many wonderful pieces. Um, in. Um, In National Youth Orchestra, we played Petrushka and we played uh, uh, Prokofiev's Fifth Symphony. Speaking of trumpet parts, that's uh, almost a trumpet concerto sometimes. Okay. Uh, just, just beautiful, beautiful writing. Okay, so these are these are the pieces of music that you that really you remember from playing with. Stick in the mind, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, anytime you play a Stravinsky ballet, it's a big deal. Yes. Uh, oh, playing, uh, actually, speaking of pit work uh, and, and all-time favorites, my all-time favorite for playing in the orchestra pit is the Prokofiev, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, okay. And it is it's just fabulous, fabulous writing. And uh, Okay. Would it be, and, could and, we call that your Desert Island piece? Oh, one of them, one of them for sure. Um, it's surprising how many violin concertos I love. Um, the Beethoven, which uh, we did with the Rocky Mountain Symphony, um, again, just before COVID, is uh, such a beautiful piece. And the yes. Sibelius Violin Concerto is wonderful. The Brahms Violin Concerto, which I did early in my 
career. I always loved that. Okay. There's, you know, um, the, the Brahms. Uh, I keep. I actually, uh, my desert island would have to have some Brahms. Um, okay. The second piano concerto, uh, I just love, and the fourth symphony is maybe my favorite of the four symphonies, but they're all wonderful. Yes. Yes, Brahms is very, uh, very intelligent. Very, very. Uh, there's a lot of development in, the, in Brahms music. Yeah. Here. In terms of desert island music, it's amazing how many classical musicians listen to jazz for uh, for a change of pace or a different way of thinking. And uh, I do listen to quite a bit of jazz. Uh, what would be your uh, your favorite jazz piece? Jeez, jazz piece. Well, a piece is hard to say. You certainly you certainly uh, listen to. Uh... He certainly had gotten inspired by uh, Winton Marsalis when you talk. Well, about yeah. Well, Winton's a, a special case because you listen to him to to learn how to play classical trumpet, and you learn listen to him to learn how to play jazz too. Like he had a very good career as a classical trumpet player earlier in his life, and uh, and won awards in both fields, and uh, finally gave up the classical side and just focused on jazz. But he proved that he was as good a classical trumpet player as anybody before. Oh, he you can you can play whatever you want, this guy. He just, pretty much just, can. Uh, yeah, yes, you know, fantastic. Louis Armstrong is is just such an inspiration. Um, his solos yes. aren't aren't complex, or they don't appear to be complex. Mm -hmm. But the musicality and the rhythm and the time and the uh, inventiveness within the context of, of what he was doing is, is every time I listen to Louis Armstrong, it's, it's another trumpet lesson. It's just like, wow, you hear something different every time. Well, there's, uh, there's a piece in particular that attracted my attention from him, uh, Sketches from, uh, of Spain. Yes, yes, yes. All those okay. ones he did with, with Gil Evans, those big, big orchestral jazz recordings are just, just yeah. amazing, just amazing. That's I mean that that was something that was a kind of a, a crossover. Huh? Yes. Oh, classical yes. And, and jazz. No? He did crossover classical and jazz. He did crossover uh, rock and roll and jazz. <laughs> you know, and fusion, and uh, <laughs> which I, I don't like quite as much. But uh, you have to admire what he did, and well, and the musicians well that he the musicians that he had playing with him when he did his uh, his fusion were, were absolutely amazing musicians. You know. Yes. But I um, I, I took my. Uh, I guess girlfriend to a, a Miles Davis concert in Edmonton at the Jubilee Auditorium when I was in university there, and we were expecting, you know, the old style Miles Davis, and he showed up and played this rock and roll fusion music, which was uh, very, very loud and not at all what we'd expected. But uh, well, we took it. Yes, I mean uh, they try to be popular, if I say, with the audience that they have. Uh, uh... Well, and great artists uh, but, often find I mean, they've said what they need to say in a certain area, and then they need to move on. So that well, does it. happen. It can be fine. There's something to catch the attention, and then and then and then you uh, you make people move on to something a bit better. Yeah, or or just different. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, to be uh, politically correct. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 I am not. I'm in no position to judge anything that Miles Davis did as being good or bad. It was Miles Davis. Yes, and yes. Yeah, I remember uh, when um, Dizzy Gillespie came here later in life. You know, he was a pretty old man when he came, and he wasn't in the best of health. Mm. And uh, I was with uh, with someone who said, "Well, gee, he didn't really sound that great." And I said. Man, that was Dizzy Gillespie. 
you just listen to every note and learn. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Oh yes, he was good. He was good. Uh, I agree with you. He was he, he was absolutely outstanding. Um, uh, when you uh, perform for the children, uh, what pieces would you play for the for the kids, the primary, the the secondary schools? Well, um, now I have to stop and think what we what we've done in different programs. Uh, one program that we did for years was called the Time Machine, and we had it was sort of a little bit of a ripoff from Mr. Dressup, I guess. It's funny we actually we did two concerts with Mr. Dressup at one point. Mr. And, Dressup, what the, yeah, what Mr. Dressup. Oh, do you know him? He was on television uh, for years and years. Did a children's show. Okay. Where he dress in different costumes and bring things out from the past or different characters. Oh, so, so you so did you did work with him. We did a little bit, yeah, yeah. Okay. We had some mutual friends, and we put together some performances together at one point. Okay. Um, but uh, this show we called the Time Machine. Um, we would uh, we started out with a Tillman Cesato uh, dance from the Renaissance, and then um, the next real piece, I guess, was a Sousa March, which uh, had me playing a natural trumpet dressed as a Roman soldier. Um, Don't ask. Mm-hmm. You have to know the story. <laughs> uh, we did a piece by King Henry VIII, Last Time with the Company. We did the Bach Little Fugue in G minor. We did the Offenbach Can Can. For the Bach Fugue, I came out of the time machine dressed as Johann Sebastian Bach, of course. Um, okay. And well, it was like it was like for kids. You know, you put on yeah. you put on a wig and a, a vest or something, and then you're a different character. You know, it doesn't the the, the uh, costumes yes. were not fancy. Just a half yes. or something. Yes, and, the, the um, costumes did uh, do help. Yes. Yeah, and Jean Francois came out as a Frenchman from 1889, and we did the Can Can. Um, yeah, the famous Can Can is something popular. The famous yes. Can Can, things like that. Um, okay. So there's the classical types of music that we would do. Um, we'd also, of course, you have to do some movie themes. So we do things like the Pink Panther, and uh, Star Wars was very popular for a very long time. So okay. we've played Star Wars many times. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, Star Wars is, is a popular piece, yeah. Well, and yeah, and you listen to those movie scores. That's another way that people, have, that pop, classical, the but classical music form has become popular again. Because uh, I, I, do, I do prefer Star Trek, though. It's more well, complex. Well, as, a, as, a, as, as an art form, yes. Yes. The, the stories hold together better. <laughs> uh, the, the science is better in Star Trek, for sure. But... Uh, But, uh, But Star Wars, the, the Star Wars, the musical scores are pretty amazing. Yes, and uh, you know, there you go. You fooled kids into listening to a to a symphony orchestra. Yes, and they can relate to something. That's right, uh, because they they've watched the movie and uh, yeah. they they recognize at the moment. Uh, yeah, the, uh, and some pieces stay popular for a very long time. Like Pink Panther has been very helpful that way. Uh, Under the Sea from the Little Mermaid is good. You know, we play that sometimes. Okay. We played this theme from Frozen, which was amazingly popular for about a year. And then gradually the older kids went, oh, not that. And then the, it came down to the, even the younger kids were going, not that. So, okay, we stopped playing that. Ah. It's funny. Well, yes, it's... Uh, But Star it appears, Wars it, it, it appeals for, more to girls than boys, I guess, these melodies. I, I think so, too. I think so, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. I get you. You got this reaction more from the boys than from the girls, I think. Uh, at the beginning, yeah. at the beginning, 
<laughs> the little kids still like it, but that has to be a old, it has to be up to maybe great. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I hear these melodies, song, especially in the in the households that are composed of majority of girls. Yes. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> but it was funny the first time that we played Frozen for a for an elementary school concert. It, it was like grade one to seven or K to seven or something, and the whole it was in a theater and the whole crowd started singing. It felt wow. like, it felt like being a Rolling Stones playing a rock concert, you know, it was just like everybody's singing with you. Wow. 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 It was amazing. But yeah, uh, as I say, that was good for a few months. And then the older kids started getting tired of it. Okay. Well, at least you had some good time with it. That's. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we're always watching for opportunities like that too. Yes. Yes. And I'm sure you have a good imagination to, uh, to uh, organize your concerts. Uh, I'm sure you're kind of impatient to go back and uh, and uh, perform again in, in these schools. Uh, what would be uh, your favorite music piece? You mentioned Brahms. Uh, if you had one piece to bring with you, your dessert island piece that you, you would take with you, that uh, that would be a Brahms piece, I guess. Oh, that's so hard. So hard. The, uh, when we're playing I mean, concerts yes, and we have questions, the, the, the children often ask, what's your favorite piece of music? You know, because little kids like to have favorite this, favorite color, favorite food. And uh, we never have an answer for it because the best answer we do is we try to make every piece we play our favorite yes. while we're playing. Yes. And, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. One favorite uh, piece? Well, gosh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the Brahms favorite? second, maybe the Brahms second piano concerto. Yes. Okay. The reason why I'm asking this question uh, goes in the same line as uh, what would be your favorite composer, for example. Yeah, yeah. And it's so hard to say. Uh, do you know why I'm asking this? There's, no. a, there's a deep reason to it. Okay. Because people relate to classical music the way we relate to our uh, human, uh, uh, in really, human relationships. Mm. Uh, your best friends, uh, your uh, you know your friends that are the, 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 the your most intimate friends, okay, are people that have the same personality as yours. That's because frightening. You're, because because you're in the same wavelength, okay. Well, your spouse is going to be someone that complements you, mm. okay. So when you say that you love Brahms. Okay. Uh, do we say that uh, you you have a similar uh, personality like Brahms, or is it uh, or is it more your wife that is that's that's, that's like Brahms? <laughs> uh, I think maybe it would be me more, but okay. that's hard to say. Hard to say. Okay. Okay. Um, it's interesting to say that because Brahms didn't write particularly interesting trumpet parts, so this is this is for listening more than for playing. Yeah, Although, but of, course, the, the, of course, yeah, there's but the, no place better to listen to music than the middle of an orchestra. But, uh, yes, but I, I don't. I, I, it's funny that you don't look like someone that feels like Brahms. Well, you know, he loved you look, the mountains. You look, you, look, the... you look a bit more like a sanguine kind of type of person. Uh, I would see. I would think that your wife maybe uh, sounds a bit oh, more well, like Brahms. Perhaps. What then. do you think? What do you think? Huh? So when you say when you say that you love Brahms, in other words, you love your wife. Mm. Well, uh, there you go. I don't know. Uh? <laughs> ask me. Ask me something easy. 
Uh, it's uh you you look you look a bit more like a Mozart guy, uh your close friend, uh, or maybe like uh, I mean you 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 look a bit more like a romantic like uh, Chopin or uh, 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 but I don't know you don't you, you don't you, I mean Brahms is very intellectual. I mean, I can understand people love Brahms because they like something that is very substantial. They like something to to bite, something to chew. Uh, but in terms of spirit, you don't seem to be that pragmatic. You, you seem to be someone that is very passionate. Uh, uh, well, I think I think I think your wife is the one, is the element in in your marriage that uh, that helps you to uh, you know to stay calm and. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell her you said so. She'll have a laugh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. <clears throat> so, uh, so Chris, thank you so much for coming to this interview. Well, thank you so much. Th 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 thank you so much for your contribution and uh, in the the different orchestra, the the the. Uh, with the youth orchestra, with the your personal contribution with with, with the trumpet, with the and with the, the the different orchestras that you've been working in your life, um, and uh, for spreading, if I can say this uh, message uh, of the the of music, especially classical music, if I say with the youth, exposing them uh, the the. Uh, 150 concerts a year. That's, I mean, how would you do that? How do well, you survive the, this? The, the way you do it is, is some of them are school concerts. And okay. when you're on tour doing school concerts, you try to do three in a day. Okay. So two in the morning, one in the afternoon. Okay. And so then if you do 15 in a week, then uh, 150 adds up pretty fast. The most we ever did in a year was 200. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your contribution, Aunt Orange Music. Uh, you certainly uh, help if I can see people to uh, appreciate uh, uh, what is best in music and to make music sense. Uh, so, uh, hope we keep in touch. I hope so too. Yes, and uh, wishing you the best. And I wish you the best with your project. It sounds like a very good one. Okay, thank you. All right. Bye for now. Okay, bye.